Welcome back to Killer Queens. This is episode... 25. 25. 25. Same as my age. Uh, <laughs> she's a lion bitch. That's an old lady joke. <laughs> um, I'm Tori. I'm Torella. Torella's the liar. Just keep that in mind. Well. <laughs> and this case is um, the case of Ruben Borkhart. Ruben. I was going to try to like roll my R for it. I Can can't. you? Um, no, I don't. Do it. <laughs> no, I can't. You used to do it. R- Ruben. I can't roll my R's at all. Try. I got, I got, I get going at first and then it sounds, it does not sound good. Okay, you're making a face. I thought I was doing good. You can growl. <laughs> go. I know. I'm very good at that. Um, I heard it's a lefty thing though. It's like statistically left-handed people can't do certain things like live longer or... You can't live longer? No, apparently left-handed people on average die seven years before right-handed people do. Or they live seven years less than right-handed people oh due to left-handed God. related accidents like chainsaws and car accidents. That's like how long, how much less you would live if you had one cigarette. Oh my God. Serious. Whoa. Yeah. Really dropping some knowledge here. <laughs> so anyway, Ruben Borkhard. Yep. Let's not... Let's not digress too much here. Um, So this takes place in Jefferson, Wisconsin. And so to set the scene, it's April 3rd, 1994, just before dawn on Easter Sunday. And a 16-year-old Chuck Borkhart called the police and stated that his dad, 40-year-old Reuben, had been shot twice in the chest. You're being rude. You're you're yawning right now, and I'm talking. It's It feels personal? I don't know. Mm, Yeah. Quit it. I don't like to listen to you. Wake up. I'm sure everybody right now is like, <laughs> I just got started. <laughs> um, so anyway, get back to it. Um, in the 911 call, he stated that he'd been woken up around sometime around 3.30 in the morning. He was in bed upstairs, and he was woken up by a strange sound. He got up, he looked around, he didn't hear anything else, so he went back to sleep. Then moments later, he was woken up by another sound, and th- this sound sounded different. It sounded kind of like a cow mooing or like a howl, he said. Hmm. So he gets up, he goes down the hall, and he sees in a room that the um, the phone had been disconnected. And that was really strange, because why would it be disconnected? And this is the kid. This is the kid. He's 16. He's fucking creepy. I know. I would have hightailed my ass out of there. I know, but you gotta be strong. You gotta be strong. I know. Yeah. You gotta persevere. Okay. So he saw that the phone was disconnected and then he yelled downstairs because his dad was sleeping downstairs um and when he went downstairs he saw his dad laying on his side in an armchair covered in blood um reuben borkhart the dad he was alert enough at the time to tell police that there had been two attackers and that reuben didn't know either of them and um so reuben he was 40 years old at the time he was a cabinet maker um, by trade, and he was rushed to the hospital where in in Jefferson, and then they were going to life flight him to Madison, Wisconsin, but he never made it to Madison alive. Like he died on the way there. <clears throat> the next day, police show up at the house. They search it. Um, it showed no sign of forced entry. It showed no sign of burglary. So the po- the shooting took place at the bottom of the stairs in the basement, which is where Reuben had been sleeping because Reuben and his wife Diane 
were going through a very bitter divorce at the time. So he was just downstairs in his basement uh, where he had been sleeping in like a utility room. And she was sleeping in the bedroom then? Yes. Was she there when it happened? No. Um, At the bottom of the stairs, police found one spent shell casing, but no weapon. And detectives claimed that it looked like it had been done by amateurs. Like, it did not look like somebody who had done, like, committed this crime before. Hmm. Um, Chuck was the only person there that night, other than Reuben, of course. Um, And Chuck and Reuben both were, like, avid hunters. So there were many weapons in the house. Like, they had lots of guns. And um, police were kind of wondering because of course since Chuck was the only one that had been there they were wondering if maybe he had done it so they did some testing to see because he's in the house but he's upstairs so they went upstairs one police officer went upstairs closed the door then the other police officers down at the basement um at the basement of the bottom of the stairs (laughs) oh at the basement in the basement yeah inside (laughs) of the basement outside of the basement and also in the basement Around, near and around the basement. Yeah. This was, I don't know if this has been clear or not, but it was in the basement. Basement. Um, he, another police officer shot off a gun multiple times to see, and they said that it was like a muffled sound, that they could hear it, but it was, it, it made sense. It's that, not clear that it's a gunshot. Yeah, that Chuck didn't hear yeah. anything. Or heard if he's an avid hunter, was. yeah, if, if it was a recognizable gunshot, he would, he would know that noise. Right. Absolutely. So, um, it didn't seem like Chuck had done anything. Um, Reuben and Diane, uh, Diane is, was 45 at the time and they were in the middle of a terrible divorce and they had been married for 14 years. Um, apparently police had been called out to the ref- residence several occasions. Torella. I can't, I'm sorry. God. It's Friday. <laughs> Sleepy. Friday. Um, so they had been called out to the residence multiple times, um, due to like, Domestic assault. I'm trying to think of words. I can't think of words. You know, you can't think of any words today. No, I cannot. I forgot the word words. <laughs> um, so the day before the murder had taken place, police had been called out to the house because... So Diane and Reuben had gotten into a fight. And from Reuben's daughter's standpoint, she claimed... Because she was... Um, she's older than Chuck, but she was still living at home. I think she was like 18 at the time. Um, she was at home and she heard them fighting and she claimed that like Diane had gotten crazy over something like she just something snapped in her and they were just arguing and arguing. So she starts hitting him and she busted his lip. So Reuben grabs her arms to like control her, contain her. And she just fucking flipped out and called the police and blamed it all on Reuben saying that it was his fault. So police were like, listen, you probably don't need to stay in the house tonight. Like you, you might need to just go and stay somewhere else because it's not safe for you there. So she left and went three hours, like a three hour drive North to Tomahawk, Wisconsin. And this is where it's kind of weird. Reuben had a first wife Um, right out of high school and she died in a car accident like right in front of their house like she had just had the kids they were really really young um so and I think Chuck was a baby when she passed away so Diane went to his first wife's parents house and stayed with them that night which doesn't make any sense to me but that's where she went so sounds like she's a trifling bitch Diane Oh, you don't even know the half of it. See, I already got my first inkling because she's friends with not his ex's parents, but 
She's weaseling her way in there for... Yeah, like, why... What is that? Like, like... You know, those people who are like, I want to always be the one who everybody either feels sorry for or who has a better relationship so they'll believe me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm picking this up from her. Yeah. You know because that's you, bitch. Just it's like you have to be one to know one. What Whoever smelt s- it, dealt it. <laughs> I think that's what I'm trying to get at here. Takes one to know one. that's what it is yeah oh my god just regular things yeah regular (laughs) things and and i don't we don't know them (laughs) we're trying though i don't know if we can even blame it on a friday i really yeah i don't know i don't know but anyway so that gave her an alibi she wasn't at the house at the time she was with reuben's first wife's parents so i just it's just weird to me but police began to get suspicious when she didn't show up for an interview that afternoon of the murder So, you know, they called her for questioning, and instead of her showing up, she got a lawyer and had the lawyer contact the police, which everybody knows that's a red flag. If you don't have anything to hide, why are you going to get a fucking lawyer? Uh, I disagree. When your husband, I don't know, it's it's very reminiscent of the JonBenet Ramsey case. Well, yeah, so at first, I used to believe that as soon as you lawyer up, it's like... Admission of guilt almost or something. Yeah. Yeah, but now I kind of feel like... You should. Hmm. Look at Rodney Reed. Okay. I mean, there are cases, but I'm just saying there were other things that she did. It could go either way, for sure. Like, if you're not going to be cooperative, there are people who will lawyer up and then still not cooperate, and I think that's not good. Right. But I think it is probably in everybody's best interest. Should you ever become involved in illegal whatever, I would tell you, don't fucking talk to anybody until you get a lawyer. Yeah. Because those guys, we're stupid. And they can get us on anything. Yeah, that's true. I'm very stupid. We're very stupid. Yeah. We'll fall right into that trap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, they're they they're just waiting for someone like us, you know? Exactly. <laughs> they're like, these bitches don't even know the word words. They'll admit to anything. <laughs> exactly. Um, so police did tons of interviewing. I'm sure. just going to power through. <laughs> Powering through. Um, they did tons of interview. <laughs> Do you see why you need a lawyer present? <laughs> oh my god! Because you're basically saying, "All right, I did it." Yeah, that's true. You would just cave. <laughs> that's true. Well, and I don't like to sit for long periods of time. No, mm. and if they leave you for long periods of time without food or water or cigarettes or Netflix, oh my god, Netflix! What are you gonna do? I know. I know. You'd say anything to get out of it. Yeah. I'm going to have to. Exactly. So anyway, they found nothing. They were just interviewing all over the place. Couldn't find anything. No details, no tips, no anything. But she never ended up like talking with them? No, she just kept, I mean, this throughout the entire case, she stayed uh, completely silent. Hmm. So on April 7th, this is four days after the murder, police interviewed Chuck Borkhart for the second time. And in the second interview, he stated that his dad said after he had been shot, because he's still alert, you know, at that point, he said after he had been shot, he was like, oh my God, I'm dying. I can't believe she would do this to me. And the detectives were kind of uh, suspicious of this admission because he he didn't admit to it or he didn't say that that had happened in the first interview. So they were like, so... Um, they asked Chuck who he thought Reuben was talking about when he said she. And 
Ruben said, I think my mom had something to do with this. She's been acting funny. And hang on a second. Yeah. Okay. So you saw this. You one of the things you did to research this case was in American Justice. Yeah. So what does Bill think of all this? Bill didn't say anything about it. He's just he's just hosting. Just hosting it. Okay. Bill Curtis. Guys, if you don't know who Bill Curtis is, then you're not a real true crime fan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I love him. Bill, if you're listening, I want to do an interview with you. She wants to do more than just an interview with you. She's in love with you. He's like 80. I love him. <laughs> he has an Instagram. I found him. No posts. Aww. I know. I want to contact him in some way, but I don't know how. I bet he thinks he is posting because he's taking pictures <laughs> and just gl- like taping them to his wall. Oh, Bill. <laughs> That's not how this works. It's not how any of this works. Anyway, so Sweet Bill Curtis Bill. is wonderful He hosted voice. American Justice and Cold, Cold Case. Yeah. Files. Files. Cold Case Files. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um and and then in the new ones Danny Glover hosted Cold Case Files and I was like what the fuck is this oh my god yeah wow that, what was, was the other random. one oh City Confidential I like that one a lot oh, too I don't know that guy's name he was the police officer in the live action Dennis the Menace really mm-hmm. stop it no I'm not gonna stop it. I will not. <laughs> um, so, also, my two-year-old son talks like a valley girl because people will be like, oh, I got this at, you know, Marshall's. And I'm like, stop it. And Ben's like, stop it. He says stop it all the time. I'm like, you're, I don't know why I do that. Way you're to not go. a valley girl. Yeah. But, Way to go. Oh, and just as another thing, sorry, you know the Mary Yoder case where she was killed with the colchicine? Yeah. And colchicine. we're like, who has ever heard of that? I work in a doctor's office. You know, but. Right. But they don't know. Sure. Maybe. And I've had like 10 patients come in since that episode with an allergy to colchicine because it's like a gout medication. Like people take it for stuff. But I was like, I never heard of this. And now everybody's allergic to it. It's very, you. I mean, it seems like, it seems like either everybody's dead from it or they're allergic to it. Yeah, that's crazy. It's kind of like, it's not the same, but you know how like once you become aware of something, that's all you see. Yeah. It's like when you buy a car. And you see all those, like, everybody's driving that car all of a sudden. Yeah, or, like, if I'm, like, nobody has white cars. And then I'm, like, everybody has white cars. Mm-hmm. All I see is white cars. Yeah. Or PT have cruisers. have thought. Oh, my God. Did you see my post? I did. Jeez. Oh, I hope none of you guys have a PT cruiser. I know. It's just not. I feel like guys named. Well, I'm going to single somebody out, won't I? Yeah, you will. It's so hard to. It's so hard to just be me now. But also, like, PC. Yeah. I know. And not you know, offend like, anyone. Well, here, here's who I'll offend. My husband plays lacrosse. I feel like lacrosse players drive PT cruisers. Or those Chevy's HHRs. What's that? I'm going to pull it up for you. Chase commented on that post and was like, how do you feel about these cars? And I did not know what they were. And I looked it up and I was like, that's the worst thing ever. Chase would know. I know. <laughs> they look like, this is what I said about them. They are one giant soccer mom haircut away from being a rape fan. Like, that's what they look like. And I'm sorry, but it's true. How do you be a soccer mom haircut away from a rape fan? I'm so confused. This is what... Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's like You, ha- with you the have windows. to see these cars, guys, to, to get that comment, but it's it makes sense. It's true. It's almost a rape van, but almost... A soccer mom minivan. Yes. I know. 
With a little bit of PT Cruiser mixed in. The only thing that could make it worse. What is it called again? An HHR. Look, they have a truck option. Look at this one, though. Ew. I know. Yeah. I hate this. I know. They're the worst. The only thing that can make it worse, even worse than it already is, is if they had like a convertible option. I'm sure they do. But they do have the nice wood paneling option. Yes, they do. See, now I'm cold. (laughs) (laughs) You need to get your internal thermostat. It's broke. Figured out. It's broke. So anyway. So anyway, so Bill Curtis. He did not have any thoughts on it. He was just... You know, I wish... That is one thing that I wish, because I listen to a date with Dateline, and they always talk about, like, the quotes and stuff that the hosts have, because, like, each of the hosts has their own, like, you know, personality, and they'll say stuff, and, like, Keith Morrison does a lot of, like, leaning, and he is very poetic when he says things, and it's always this, like, long, drawn-out, like, whatever, and... I don't know, it's just the quotes from them are really funny, and I feel like we could get some real golden gems out of Bill Curtis if they just let him be Bill, you know? I I want to know what Bill thinks. Yeah. I mean, I do too. I mean, I could listen to him talk all day. I think I just saw an HHR drive by. Like, not even joking. No, I'm serious. I swear. I just saw one drive by. We live in that kind of neighborhood. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway. um, And so police agreed that Diane was acting really crazy, like kind of funny about it. And, um, she was always the center of their investigation. Yeah. So she was like the main suspect. But see, and that's another reason. I mean, I hate to harp on this because it sounds like Diane fucking did it. But if you're the spouse, especially you should lawyer up. Yeah, that's true. Because you're going to be the prime suspect Yeah, you'll be the first one. Because I mean, and you have to, you have to start in the inner circle and work your way out. Mm -hmm. Um, you know. Yeah, that's just, true. Just saying. That's just the way it goes, yeah, because most crimes are committed, or statistically lots of crimes are committed by someone that is yeah. very close stranger to you. Yeah, stranger-on-stranger stuff is not quite as... As common. Right. It and happens, but it's not as common. I mean, I'm most familiar with bird law. Right. <clears throat> but this is something I feel pretty confident about. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, Diane, however, was a very unlikely suspect. Like, when... Why, because she's a woman? Yeah, a white woman in America. <laughs> White women do not kill people. <laughs> <laughs> white women kill the most people. Um, no, I think that goes to white men. That's true. But, I mean, white women kill a lot of people, too. Yeah. So, anyway. Anyway. Diane, so they, they did a canvas of, like, the the community and asked what people thought of Diane. And she was described as friendly, generous, um, and just, like, a nice woman who, she was very active in the church. She also mm. ran a popular t-shirt printing business downtown. Oh. She was also a study hall monitor at the Jefferson High School. Hmm. Another, or after the murder, police learned another side of her, though. Like, through interviews, they learned that the Borkhardt's marriage had been strained for years. Ruben's family and friends blamed Diane for the problems and described her as cold, controlling, and vindictive. Oh. I know. Well, and that's the thing, though. I mean, it's like... Everybody has, I heard this, that everybody has three sides to them. They're like public face, they're private face, and then they're secret mm-hmm. face, basically. Like, mm-hmm. like only the people in your very inner circle know the private side of you. Um, and then there's, you know, you have your secrets that you hide from everybody. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, and they also found out, because, again, this is in 1994. I feel weird that we keep, we're, like, making eye contact. I mean, well, I guess we're in a conversation with each other. But all we can see is each other's eyes, kind of. <laughs> yeah, because we have the things in front of our face. Secret love. <laughs> no, anyway. that's weird. Okay. Um, so anyway, this is 1994. I'm going to eyes boom. I'm going to go up here with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look down, you look up. <laughs> um, in 1993, the police found out that Reuben had began an affair with uh, a married uh, woman from Jefferson, who he met through his work in the cabinet making business. Um, Diane found a few months, found out about it a few months later, like after the affair began and said, if that's really going on, I'll fucking kill him. Like she had been quoted saying that. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I feel like I've maybe said that before. Sure. But then nobody's turned up dead after you said it. That's true. But I don't think my husband's cheated on anybody. It's true. I mean, me. With anybody. I mean, like, you know, I think some people make jokes, but I think you can tell when somebody's not making a joke. Exactly. Like. Right. So that January of 1994, stop talking and let me finish I mean, I'm just trying to, like, look at it from, like, a, you know, like a, like a let's not just zero in on this lady kind of thing. You're, like, playing devil's advocate. Yeah, basically. Because I feel like if everybody, remember that one time I made the joke about Andrew and how he was not smart? He's very smart. I love my husband. He's very smart. But like, we joke with each other. Like, we just, it's like what we do. We're very sarcastic with each other. We joke with each other. And I just made a joke at work one day and this girl didn't know me very well. And she was like, wow, I can't believe you would talk about the man you married like that. And I was like, oh, you don't like. It's like terms of endearment. Yeah, we just like, it's our thing and like. You know, and I went home and made sure it didn't hurt Andrew's feelings. I was like, do you, are you good with that? Like, cause we do it to each other. He's fine with it. But yeah. you know, it's like sometimes people say stuff, but, yeah. but I've never been like, I will fucking kill you. And directly after you found out that he did cheat on you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's I think my biggest threat to Andrew has been that if I die, I will haunt him. That is a very a big ghost. threat to him. Cause he's terrified of ghosts. Exactly. So that January of 1994, Reuben filed for divorce. The next three months, Reuben and Diane fought awful. Like, they were just terrible about custody, who got the house. Oh, so it was just dragging on because they couldn't agree on stuff. I'm like, why does it take so long if they don't want to be married? I know. Well, the thing is, Diane did want to be married to him. What? Yeah. Oh. So she was just mad. So she still wanted to be with him? Well, the thing is, so she found out that he was, or this is what she claims, that he was planning on divorcing her, marrying this woman... And starting a life without her, and she was kind of like over my dead body, like ain't gonna happen. If I can't have him, nobody can. Um, and I think what she was trying to do, because she couldn't control the entire situation, she was c- trying to control what she could. Yeah, so, she wanted to be the winner. Exactly. So they still lived together at that time, and Ruben slept in a utility room in the basement, as we all know. And then um, many of his friends heard Ruben tell them that he was scared she was gonna stab him one night. Like it oh was kind God. of kind of like that Catherine Knight. Yeah. Where she, he was like, listen, if I don't make it out of this, she's yeah. the one who fucking did it. And I, he was super fearful of his life. I feel like if any of your friends tell you that, if anybody is like, if something happens to me, it's him or her or whatever. Something then gotta be wrong. Please tell somebody. Let someone know. Yeah, because I feel like every single time in these cases when that happens and they end up dead and then you're like, 
obviously, like, at least you and one other person knew that you were in danger. But, like, nobody really took it seriously, or... Yeah, everybody always looks back and says, oh, I just didn't think it was a big deal, or... Mm-hmm. I and, know. I mean, I guess you don't want to be the person that's, like... I mean, I think everybody is going to die or kill somebody. Like, that's always my first thought. Like, everybody's like, you know, it shouldn't be your first thought that, like, your kid walks outside and he's going to get abducted. I'm like, it's mine. <laughs> what a beautiful life you must lead. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's actually really Scared terrifying. Yes. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I just, you know, you hear all these cases and you think, like, i got to let my kid out of my sight. Yeah. Well, and it's a scary world and things... It's, it's a real, I mean, it's a valid fear, but yeah. to live in that, I think, is not great. It's, yeah, it's it's a sad world I live in. Yeah. Yeah. It's your reality. Yeah. But. But I, so if I heard somebody say that, like, if you said, if something happens to me, Stephen did it, well, I would go, and I would rip your ass out of your house, and I would bring you. To the police station. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, he didn't want to leave because, well, I guess he could have left and taken Chuck with him, but... Yeah, you got that. Yeah, you got the kid and all the things. And I'm sure people just don't want to be like, oh, I made a big deal out of nothing. Right. But then, you know, then now he's murdered. Exactly. Um, So, on March 24th of 1994, the divorce was final and Reuben won custody of 16-year-old Chuck. And he also got to keep the house. pissed her off. Which sat on 20 acres along with other assets that am- amounted to about $300,000. So that's what he won in the settlement. Um, when he was talking to his daughter about it, who's an adult at that time, because, you know, he didn't need to get custody of her because she was an adult. But he was like, after she asked him, you know, like, how do you feel about this? And he's like, listen, I wish it hadn't happened this way because I don't want, I just want her to have everything because I know she's going to do something like this is not the way I wanted it to go. He wanted Chuck, of course, but he was like, I just wanted to have everything because this is not the way I wanted it to go. Um, at that time, the police still had no evidence to convict Diane and they had this theory that so since she's the study hall monitor, he had, they had this theory that she had recruited students for her study hall. Oh, please tell me that's not what would happen. To kill her husband after hearing stories of a terrible marriage because now that she's talked after all this stuff, she has said, like, yeah, of course I went to school. You know, if I, if I, something happened that that day and I went to school and I was crying, I would tell them what mm-hmm. happened to with, between me and Ruben, but not to be like, you should feel sorry for me. It was more like, listen, learn from this and don't let this happen to you. That's so inappropriate and exactly. irresponsible. Like, yeah, I mean, these are high school kids. Yeah, your high school students do not need to know what's going on in your marriage. Yeah. I had a teacher that was like that. Like, when she was going through a divorce... I don't know who you, you're talking about. Yeah, you could tell that she was unhappy and all that stuff. And I hated her husband. I thought, what a fucking dick. And then later, I knew him. And he... All of that stuff, it's just there's two sides to every story. Well, I actually think there are three sides to every story because each side... Right. Each person's side, yeah, and then you've got the truth. Exactly. So yeah. it's like, okay, maybe that's not exactly the way it went down, but either way, I was 17. I didn't need to hear any of that. No, I mean, you're not I'm there to learn. emotionally mature enough to, no. and plus, you're not that person's friend. Exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you have your adult friends that you can talk to about it. You don't need to bring kids into it. Yeah, because have this, like, verbal diarrhea all over the place where it's like, yeah. you don't need to, yeah. They need friends for that. They need a counselor for that. Like, don't fucking bring it to these young children. Yeah. Or not young children, but you know what I mean. Um, So they, like, even though there was no evidence that Reuben had ever touched her violently, she would go to school and she'd be like, listen, this is what happened. And she would just, like, spin this huge web of, like, all this stuff. So four months go by without anyone coming forward to confess. 
Um, Then on September 6th of 1994, Detective Larry Lee got a call from someone who he has no idea, but it was like this anonymous tip that said, listen, I know that there were three people involved. Two went downstairs and killed Ruben, while one stayed upstairs and disconnected the phone, which was the detail that police had not released to anyone that the phone had been disconnected. Mm -hmm. So they were like, this is valid. Um, They, the next day, Detective Lee interviewed that same person and learned that the three killers were three local teens. Ugh. One, a sophomore named Douglas Vest, who was a student in Diane's study hall. The others were 15-year-old Michael Maldonado, and um, he was a cousin of Vest's, and then a 16-year-old Josh Yonke, who was also a sophomore at Jefferson High School. 15 and 16-year-old kids, Mm -hmm. and she's ruined their lives. Oh, yeah. So on September 28th, they brought in Doug Vest for questioning, and Detective Lee, who, like, he didn't buy what Doug was selling, you know, because he asked him all kinds of questions, and Doug was like... I don't, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, just totally made up all kinds of shit. So Detective Lee told Doug that he knew he had committed the murder with Michael Maldonado and that Doug was promised $20,000, some cars, and some diamond rings in exchange for killing him. Wow. So Doug, at that point, he looked up at Detective Lee and he was like, how did you know about the rings? <laughs> and, like, totally gave himself away. You better lawyer up, see? You better. Well, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, who told you? Exactly. <laughs> so admission of guilt right there, obviously. Um, in October of 1994, Diane was arraigned for first-degree intentional murder and conspiring with three teenage boys to murder him. And she was probably like, I didn't know they were going to do it. I just said something, and they were like, I'm going to take matters know? into my own hands. <laughs> yes, how did you know? Was she sleeping with any of them? No. Hmm. I mean, not to my knowledge. It never said anything about that. So the that. money was enough for them. You know, one thing, too, that I don't understand is the very wide range of money that people will accept for murder. Like, I listened to a case earlier today, and these guys, two guys accepted a hit, and they were going to get, between the both of them, twelve fifty at the beginning, and then twelve fifty at the end, like, once it was done. So, $2,500 But <laughs> <laughs> to split between the both of them. And I'm like, the fuck? I mean, I there's no amount of money that I would accept to end someone's life, just right. personally. But to think about it that way, even with this, like twenty thousand dollars, I'm like, really? Yeah. But they're sixteen, fifteen. That's a lot of money. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like a fifteen or sixteen year old would probably take a thousand dollars, right? But and be like, holy an shit, I'm rich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's. I mean, twenty thousand. That's a good chunk of change, especially for a sixteen year old. For sure. And what the fuck are you going to tell your parents? How when you, you got roll this into money? 20, thousand dollars and cars i mean they were like you know she promised them or whoever promised them cars and whatever you know yeah it's like no they were gonna, just gonna, gonna magically get the cars i found them <laughs> without yeah she didn't promise them anything right yeah she, she was just gonna let them have the car exactly exactly so they the prosecution said that the motive was or the detective said that the motive was a mix of vengeance and desperation because Diane did not know what to do. You know, she had lost everything at that point, And plus she mm-hmm. was super pissed that he had been cheating on her. And so Diane at that point, and even now still claims she's completely innocent in this oh, whole yes, matter. Mm-hmm. 
So Diane had been very verbally abusive to Reuben and the children. Um, and they, so they were not her children? No, they, they were, were the, the first, first wives. wives' children, okay. yes. But they were just very young when she came along. Absolutely. Like, very, very young. And that's, you know, Chuck, I think that was the only mother that he had ever known. Um, they call her their mother. Yeah. But they know that she's not their biological mother. Right. But they said, because she had, she's been quoted to say that she came into it not because she was romantically interested in Reuben, that she just wanted to be there for the children. And, you know, kind of paints herself as this martyr where she's like, you know, I did it for them. I'm very selfless. That I, also sounds actually worse to me. I know. <laughs> like, exactly. yeah, I didn't marry him because I loved him. I married him because he had kids. Yeah, I know. And she was like, they needed a maternal influence in their lives. You know, great maternal influence you turned out to <laughs> yeah, be. Yeah, right? Um, so in 1994, um, Diane, or in April of 1994, Diane claimed that she had moved on she wasn't trying to get back with Reuben. She wasn't even angry with him that she wasn't trying to, you know, ruin his life or anything. And right. she also said that because they were, they had been hunters and they had guns in the house that he had taught her to shoot. And if she wanted, this is, she claims this later. I mean, this the whole time through the case, she'd never talked about anything, but she claims that like, she was like, why would I have shot or why wouldn't I have just shot him? Or why wouldn't I have like made it look like a hunting accident? I mean, I think I'm smart enough to figure that out. Why would I talk these boys into doing this? Like, yeah, because now ridiculous. you've had 20 years to think about it. And exactly. You come up with this. Yeah, exactly. So Doug Vest claimed that he was just trying to help Diane Borkhart get out of an abusive and terrible relationship. Yeah, because these kids, they want to rescue somebody. Do the right or, thing, yeah. yeah. Or to them, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he had recruited Josh Yonke and his cousin, Michael Maldonado, and they were promised 500 to $600 up front and then the $20,000 later. Um, sometime after 3 a.m. on Sunday, April 3rd, which is that Easter Sunday, mm, the three Easter. I know. I know, on Easter's. The three mm. teens headed to the Borkarts with a sawed-off shotgun. Mm. Outside the house, Vest and Yankee both got cold feet. And Maldonado, who had never met Reuben, had never met Diane. He was the one that was like, listen, we're here to do something. We've got to do this. Like, you need to get it together. We're doing it. Mm. So they went in sta- or went inside, went in stairs, went inside Josh Yonke, he was the one that disconnected the phone. And the other two went downstairs. Well, after he disconnected the phone, he got fucking freaked out. And he went back out to the car. Maldonado and Vest continued and went downstairs where Vest claimed Diane said Reuben would be sleeping. So she, like, mapped it all out. Well, yeah. But how would they know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. They went... They didn't stumble into Chuck's room. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, why would they even be there in the first place? Like, why would they have anything against Reuben if not for How'd they get in Diane? the house? Yeah, exactly. Because there was no forced entry. Yeah. Um, Fucking Diane. They, I know. They encountered Reuben on the stairway, and according to Vest, Maldonado pulled the trigger and shot Reuben in the chest. Reuben flew backwards, he fell, then he got back up, and they reloaded... So Reuben stands up, he gets to the first step on the stairway, and they shot him again in the chest. Mm, they reload. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. So they try to get the teens to confess. Um, two try to get the teens to confess. They decided to strike up a plea deal with them. The teens all face life in prison, and so they started with Josh Yonke, because that's, like, the plan is to go after, or, you know, to get the person who had the least amount of yeah. um, involvement um, to... Admitted or whatever and to kind of turn on their friends so 
And he did, because he, all he did was disconnect the phone, but still. So on January 11th, 1995, Yonke agreed to cooperate and testify against Diane and the other teens. <clears throat> he pled no contest to second-degree non-intentional murder, and he received 18 years with the possibility of parole after 10 years. Damn. Mm-hmm. And them being 16 and 15 at the time didn't mean shit. Like, they were tried That's as adults. That's a long time. I feel like there are some people who straight up get, like, first-degree murder, and they get, like, six years. Oh, I know. Or somehow it's, like, their plea deal is, like, oh, we're going to drop it down to manslaughter. Yeah. And then they get, yeah, like, seven years or something. And the possibility I mean, of parole after three or something. Yeah. Or just, like, time credit for time served. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Because, you know, these cases take a long time yeah. to... Um, so with Yankee's testimony, they went after Vest. They expected him to plead guilty, and they offered him a 13-and-a-half-year sentence if he did. Because they were like, this is the best option you're going to get. You need to come through with this. And so Vest... At the time of the trial, when he went to trial, he decided he changed his mind. He was like, I'm just going to fight it. I'm going to take what I can get. I'm not going to plead guilty. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. It 100% backfired, and he was found guilty, and he received a life sentence with the possibility of parole after 25 years. Yeah. So he could have served half that. Yeah. But anyway. Plea deals only help the guilty. If you're not guilty, I mean, and you get fucked if you're not guilty, but like... Yeah, he he clearly did it. Like exactly, everybody knows he did it. He knows he did it. Why would you try to fight that? I don't know. That's I bad, mean, that's a bad lawyer. I know. Well, yeah, I guess you could. Or only maybe do... he was young and just like cavalier and like they won't get me. But invincible. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna totally get fucked on that deal because once you say you're not guilty, the prosecution goes so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Like they're not gonna give up. Yeah. No. Exactly. They pull out all the stops. Yeah. Well, and. They fucking did it. I mean, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He was so young. Old enough to... I mean, there's some people, like the one girl, forgot her damn name. Last episode? Jasmine. Yeah. Yes. Now she, I think she's a fucking evil bitch, but, and she was even younger. It's what, 12? 12. But she masterminded the whole thing. I feel like these guys, they I mean, because easily... there are factors in the sense that they were young and they believed that this woman was in an abusive relationship and she preyed on that and manipulated that 100%. exactly yeah. so again they did no right from wrong they certainly need to be you know serve time for it but i don't know yeah it's just i know it's tough it is tough it, like are they likely to i don't know but they did it for money if somebody offered money would they do it again and i think it's weird too because well they knew what they were doing was wrong because two of them stumbled and were like, ooh, this is not a good idea. We don't need to be doing this. And then they're like, well, okay. He said, and wait, we you do said it. the one we just talked about who decided to fight it, he's the one who was like, let's just go forward no, with it. No, it's that. Doug Vest is the oh, one. Oh, Vest, okay. Yeah, Michael Maldonado is the one who was like, y'all got to get this together. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So next up, Michael Maldonado, he goes on trial. He stood, uh, took the stand a week into his trial, and he claimed that he had been in bed at home during the shooting, which it's like... On the stand, he says this? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. Of course, they didn't buy it, mm-hmm. um, because two people had testified that he was there, and so the, he was found guilty of first-degree intentional homicide, and he received a life sentence with the, with the possibility of parole after 50 years. Damn. And like I said, he had no idea. He never met Ruben. He never even met Diane. But, I mean, he was a shooter. Uh-huh. Twice. According he shot, them, to... shot him twice. Yeah. 
So Diane's trial began on May 11th of 1995. If she got less than them, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> Ruben's daughter, um, Diane's stepdaughter, testified that in November of 1993, Diane wanted to see or claimed that she wanted to see Ruben dead. And again, in January, she claimed that same thing, that she wanted to see him dead. She said that if she couldn't have him, no one could. Prosecutors argued that sometime in January of 1994, Diane began soliciting students to kill Ruben. Mm. Apparently, it started with this kid named Tim Quintero, and she asked him, because he was in her study hall, she asked him if he knew anyone who could take care of him, and <coughs> that she didn't want him around anymore. What? Why, why is it that, like, children are your first option here? I like, know. I mean, I get, go down to where people buy drugs or something. I know. I don't know. Like on horrible bosses. (laughs) (laughs) So you have seen the movie. (laughs) Yeah, like, um, you know, motherfucker Jones. He'll handle it for you. You don't just go up to like, hey, uh, Timmy, I know you got a study hall today, but after gym, maybe if you want to come around the corner here, we'll talk about murder solicitation. How does that make sense? Knocking off my husband. Yeah. You're, um, you're 14. You ought to be able to handle it. Oh, you can't this weekend? You're grounded? Okay, well, let me, <laughs> let me know about next week. Exactly. Ugh, I know. Tell your friends. I know, right? So, Quintero was like, fuck no, I'm not going to help you. But she went so far as to, like, draw him a map of where the house was, like, a, a diagram of the house and, like, how it was set up. Uh, and he saved, he no, he saved that. But, when but he, he didn't, yeah, he didn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't let someone know. I know. That's true. That's true. He saved it, and so he testified against her. Um, and so after he refused, Diane went to Tim's cousin. So Tim Quintero's cousin is Doug Vest. Doug's got Doug's got cousins all over the damn place. Yeah, he's like a he's like a frost. I know. In Eagleville. He is like a frost. Damn yeah. it. So Vest told the jury that on the afternoon before the murder, he had met up with Diane at her t-shirt shop. She gave him an envelope containing $600. The defense attacked Doug's confession, claiming that there was no evidence of the money exchanged and that his first confession wasn't credible because they claimed that it was coerced by police and saying that, you know, he was young. They were like, listen, this is all you have to say. And Diane was later, um, like, she had been quoted saying that, yeah, why, why should they? I mean, of course, his confession was coerced because he confessed all this stuff and then afterwards he's like but can I go home now and they're like no you're arrested of course you can't go home so she was like he really wanted to just get out of it and said whatever he needed to say but and that does happen sure it happens but the thing is they really did it though (laughs) yeah and he he said things like wait a minute how did you know about this part of it yeah like why would you say that if you didn't like usually it's I would be interested to know how long the interrogation was I would be interested to know how many times he said, no, 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 no. And then finally he was like, okay, well, we did this. And then they're like, what'd you do it with? And then he's like this. And they're like, no, try again. Like, if it's like that, then... Like leading the witness. Yeah. Objection. <laughs> Overruled. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, she just said, like, he's 16, all this stuff. So Diane never took the stand to testify. Like I said, she was... Quiet, clammed up the entire time. She never, ever, ever took the stand. better for her. The thing is, though, the jurors... So they they found Diane Borkhardt guilty. Um, She was guilty of first-degree intentional murder. And on August 1st, 1995, she was sentenced to life in prison. So she'll never get out. Good. But the jurors said, or one of the jurors said, that 
they thought her, hearing her side of it would have helped her a little bit because all the things that had been said where she was like, well, I want him dead. They were like, of course you were, you would be angry because you just found out that your husband had been cheating on you. Right. Like if you had said that and you were like, yeah, of course I said things yeah. that I didn't mean, but you know, if you were in this situation too, you'd be angry. You'd say things. And you know, I said these things to the kids in the classroom that I shouldn't have said, but I never meant like you go out and take care of this. Yeah. And that could have helped her, but she just stayed silent the entire time. And she was acting really erratically, like while she was on, on this or not on the stand, but like to at the, in the courtroom for her trial, like shaking, um, like rocking back and forth. And they were worried that she was going to try to go for like an insane oh, yeah. plea, but she, she, she just, didn't. no. And I mean, luckily, and I don't think they would have, you know, I mean, I feel like, like maybe it could have helped her, but I feel like usually these people, they get on the stand and then the prosecution fucking tears them apart. Right. And I'm sure that's what they thought, especially yeah. after seeing her interview after the fact and like hearing what she had to say. It's like, they could have easily ripped her apart if that was, if yeah. that was the case, you know? I mean, I would have, I would prefer it that way. Like I, right. I like to, to see a, a guilty person get their ass chewed. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the case. Diane will rot in prison. Good. Are any of the, are all the kids still in jail? Um, J- Josh Yonke is not, but the other two are. Wow. That's yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. But Doug Vest is coming up on, like, he had 25. He was possibly parole after 25 years. Yeah. And this was in 1995 when he was convicted, so. Mm-hmm. So he's getting close. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I mean, they definitely, you commit a murder, you're, you, something needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, I mean, you have to be It's just sometimes it's like, there's just such a wide range of, like, there are some crimes that don't get anything. There's some crimes that get so much. It's just like, what is the rhyme or reason here? Yeah. It's like, just, it doesn't seem like there is one at all. No. You just, you like, just literally never know what somebody's going to get sentenced with. And like state to state too. It's just yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the story of motherfucking Diane Borkhart. Yeah. Poor Ruben, man. I know. And they said he was just the nicest guy, you know? I mean... Probably shouldn't have cheated on his wife, but, you know, people do things and you don't get to just kill them for it. Right. And she never loved him anyway, so. Yeah, so what does she even fucking care? I know. I know. But anyway, that's that. So that wraps up episode 25. Yep. We're a quarter of a century in. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Well, thank you, as always, for listening, and thank you for listening to our bullshit that we spew. Yeah, we're bullshitters. Can't bullshit a bullshitter. True. Um, yep, and we'll catch you next time. Oh, and um, Zach, our exclusive Patreon supporter, <laughs> we're uh, getting ready to record a bonus episode just for you. It's got your name on it. Yep. Um, and it could have other people's names on it if you want to join our Patreon. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's an extra one. And it's a doozy. It's a mega doozy. Mega super doozy. (laughs) Okay, let's wrap this up. Okay, yep. Uh, Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks a million. Love you. Bye. Yeah, bye.